today on Sagittarian Matters. Tips about tofu, tempeh, recipes, old-fashioned cakes, and more with my very special guest, Morgan. Stay tuned. Sagittarian Matters. Sagittarian Matters. What's the Morgan is a fan of salads, a friend to seeds, the former purveyor of Dovetail Bakery, and a 31-time special guest on Sagittarian Matters. Morgan joined me this week, recording through a glass door and at a distance, to answer your questions about recipes, tofu, beans and greens, and more. We also taste-tested a tahini tangerine cacao nectar bar and a very special travel cake from the New Farm Cookbook. Now, please enjoy my talk with highly favored, frequent contributor to the podcast, Morgan. Morgan, a new vegan friend of the show, listener Brandy, wants to know about different things to do with tofu. She is getting retro. She wants to be back blast in the past what do you like to do with tofu i'm gonna say and i think i've said this before especially during quarantine where i don't feel that motivated to make elaborate things for myself a tofu scramble will never do you wrong and the key to that is the things that will cook the longest things i need to cook the longest so like for me it's like the kale stems onion and tofu put those in there together but make sure you're putting things in there that aren't super wet I find that the kale stem isn't that wet when I put it in there. It's not, you know, going to add a lot of moisture. And then make sure there's enough oil that you can walk away, let everybody sit, get a brown on, and then come and flip everybody over. And only after the tofu is like firm in whatever it needed to do, do I add the more unstable ingredients like kale or mushrooms or like something that doesn't need very long and then I'm going to have to stir around. That's what I say. And I don't add my seasonings really till the end. You don't need to add your seasonings till the end. I agree with this. And I think that really it holds true with most tofu preparations. One more thing I'd like to add about the scramble. Two things. Number one is um, also don't be afraid to cook all the vegetables, then cook the tofu and then combine them at the end. Like there's no reason it has to be all in one at one time. Can I and, tell you my quirk? Yeah. My quirk is that. If I, I always make tempeh separate than the vegetables because if tempeh yes. and veggies are stored together, I'll never want to eat it again. There's something about tempeh, it needs to be segregated in the fridge as leftovers or I'm not going to eat it again. And I don't know why, it's just the way it is. Yeah, it gets really like soggy, mushy, and it's best when it's crispy, or at least in my opinion. I am H-O. Um, and another good tip with the scramble if you're feeling jazzy is take some of that tofu out puree it with some um like lemon juice and soy sauce or whatever of your seasonings and then stir that back in just like a quarter of it or a third of it and it makes it kind of like a creamy matrix which is really good i forgot to tell you that i added some we added some garlic to this tahini potato oh my god it's so good i can't wait to make it again i mean eat it again make it um i think that's a really great you can't go wrong it's easy and it's fast and it's really delicious and customizable i make tofu almost the same way almost all the time which is cut it up 
in shapes, <laughs> fry it for a long time, no seasoning. And then when it's what oil, like fully, fully browned, uh, whatever oil of your choice, whatever you feel like using, like it doesn't need to be super high heat or anything. So it's not going to get super smoky. But the other key with browning things is don't move them around, leave them in the pan, resist the temptation don't walk away too far, but just avert your eyes. And then when everything is really brown and you haven't added any seasonings, then at the very end, do a bunch of soy sauce over it. It will kind of steam and it, I mean, um, it'll steam and it will kind of want to burn a little bit. So that's a good time to move the tofu around, maybe even take it off the heat a little bit, but it'll kind of coat it and almost caramelize the outside. Then add whatever else you want. But then you've got kind of like a good base for whatever. It's savory and ready to go, a little crispy. I mean, if you wanted to get old school with it, at that point, you could then toss it in nutritional yeast. You definitely should. You definitely should. Also, another good old school one that I've been wanting to resurrect is it was from one of those cook zines, which was like you freeze the tofu and then you bake it covered in peanut butter and then you toss it in barbecue sauce. That one is good. Wait, speaking of, a friend of the show, Brandy, told me that she signed up for purple carrot or some kind of like meal delivery service and they gave her a buffalo tempeh that basically was just tempeh with um you know like red hot basically like frank's red hot and cashew butter so that's similar to the peanut butter barbecue sauce thing same concept (gasps) oh my god yeah and it seems like it's going to be disgusting but then it's weirdly good yeah, I, don't know how it works. yeah. I want everybody to just know you can free yourselves of the binds of buying buffalo things at the at the restaurant. Literally go to the shittiest grocery store you've ever heard of. Not fancy pants grocery store. Go to the shittiest grocery store that exists. Like a Safeway. No offense if you have some huge Safeway spirit inside of you, but a place like Safeway and just get Frank's Red Hot buffalo sauce that's it and so anytime you have a buffalo thing it involves like some butter or something fatty and buffalo sauce that's it that's all there is to it and then you know you want maybe sometimes a dipping sauce or something creamy on the side to cut the acidity to like Mm -hmm. dip in it or have like avocado to have with it or something but the world's your oyster you could do that with tofu you could do that with tempeh you could just or do with soy curls my god nothing could be easier Wonderful. Another great thing is like we used to make batches of baked tofu and just keep them on hand to make sandwiches at the bakery. And you can just make batches of baked tofu and just keep it, grab it for a snack, throw it in whatever else you're eating. And then it's seasoned and ready to go. There's no reason seasoned tofu should cost so much money at the grocery store. I think it was, it's like, it's like towing up towards $10. And I was like, this is stupid. It's not that good. You like you can definitely make it yourself. Um, but wait, you and I both had a culinary adventure in the past month. So if you go to the store, especially if you're on the West Coast, there's a brand called Hodo Tofu. They have some pre-seasoned tofu. That's fine, but it's very expensive. They also have Yuba. Yuba is the skin that comes when they're making tofu, the skin that comes to the top when they're like boiling a bunch of soy, whatever. Anyway, it's a soy skin. And maybe you've had it in um, sushi before. If you've had sushi that has soy in it or tofu in it, it's probably Yuba. But so Hodo makes Yuba noodles and they are pre-seasoned usually like sesame or like a spicy Yuba noodle. 
Morgan found at the Asian grocery store some dried Yuba knots that all you have to do is rehydrate and make. But this was a very particular adventure. Wow, I pre-warned Nicole about this. They do look like really, really cute bow ties, like the cutest little bow. And so you rehydrate them, and then I just fried them. I put them on a salad. Surprise, surprise, my tangy, crunchy delight. And um, so, yeah, pre-warned, they're really chewy, like really chewy. Like you're like, wow, I'm still working on this one bow tie here. It's been like four minutes. Like my podcast is almost over. And, um, And... then when you're done and you're like, oh, that was pretty good. Like I chewed for a long time, but it tasted pretty good. They're the fartiest food I've ever eaten in my life. I mean, like, I'm not even sure how they tied so many little farts up in those cute little boats, but it's something else. So you warned me about the fartiness. I thought that's a Morgan. That sounds like a Morgan problem to me. (laughs) But just in case, I soaked them extra long in boiling water and actually simmered them in boiling water because I thought, well, maybe Morgan made them, but just didn't cook them long enough. Or I'm just trying to like think about, you know, what like with beans or different things, like how to make them less farty, maybe cook them longer, soak them longer, add kombu. I didn't do that to the Yuba, but um, I cooked them for a long time. I simmered them and then I fried them after that. And I felt like such a windbag, hot air balloon, like (laughs) hunchback of Notre Dame level isolation if I farted like this every day of my life. Like no way. They're really something else. I mean, it is... A true wonder. <laughs> it was, I really, I can't go back to them because I like the taste, but I just, my body cannot handle that. Wow. Too farty. <laughs> That's too. saying a lot to someone who's been vegan for 20 million years. <laughs> that is saying a lot. They did taste, they don't taste like much, but they're like really cute. They're very picturesque and, um, you know, they're like a texture experience that is unique. Mm-hmm. Um, Somebody else wanted to know if we had a way to jazz up making beans and greens. I have a recipe from Lagusta that I got. It's basically just like a lot of high quality olive oil, a lot of fucking garlic, and then get different kinds of greens. Get a green that's more bitter, get a green that's more mild. So, you know, you get like a mustard green and then spinach or just but a bunch, like two or three heads of greens. But make sure you have one of them that's like funky, like dandelion greens, mustard greens, somebody that's going to add a little kick to it and make you be like, whoa, and cook it for so long with a broth that's delicious. Don't get a punishment low sodium broth or whatever. Get a broth that's delicious. It's the end of the world. Live it up. True. Um, anyway, that and then for the beans, you can get some real jazzy beans, especially from Rancho Gordo, which we've been enjoying. Anytime you're making your own bean or getting a bean that feels special that you've put some work into, you're going to be really proud of that beans and greens. Mm-hmm. It's true. And eventually it does get kind of boring, but like all the different sauces, my mom loves to make a really lazy um, preserved lemon where she just does these like real chunky peel chunks and a bunch of salt, sort of smushes it and leaves it in the fridge like whatever for five minutes and then puts it on everything and it's salt and acid and it's so good wait literally five minutes yeah it just uses it until it's gone so however long that takes well also at lagusta's um cafe commissary they will serve their beans and greens with some crumbles of vegan cheese on top 
So if you ever want to feel special, splurge on something that you can just have a little bit of on top, and that makes it really fun. That preserved yeah. lemon sounds real fun. Yeah, it's so good. Like put a crouton on top of beans. That's a winner. Um, also cook the beans with some like wine of some variety. That's also another winner that really jazzes it up. I mean, my standard bean and green is like a kind of a, like a low tone flavor profile that I'm like, mm, it's hearty and it's filling, but like, yeah, those bring, bring something acid, bring something crunchy and like put a sauce on it. Also just get descriptive, put something weird on there. I don't know, make like some yam cubes and put them on top or like yam curls or I don't know. You know what I mean? Just like try it. It's well, a yam. Think about it's the texture. You are somebody who I know has really jazzed things up by getting those pre-fried onions or pre-fried garlic from the Asian market. Mm-hmm. Pho toppings. I eat those on everything. They're so good. <laughs> They're so good. It's like a mountain of fried onions and garlic on top of who knows what. You can't even see it because it's covered in everything. Oh, yeah. Wow. Today's episode is brought to you by Maria Turner Carney, Emily Helmus, Grace Lambert, Shoshana Ruth Wachter, Christy Herod, Mary Pinson, Michelle Lemoyne, and Joey Soloway. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, especially producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $5 million via PayPal, whatever it is, that's your business, to hornetleg at gmail.com. That's hornet like the insect, leg like its appendage at gmail. Or, this just in, he's got a Venmo, Hell Books on Venmo. That's H-E, double hockey sticks, books. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it too. Don't be scared, that's just her voice. Oh, I'm going to tell you something controversial about tofu. I can't wait. I worked at a secret cafe, of course I did, when I was a little younger than I am now. And we made a tofu scramble, of course. By the way, we tried to make our own tofu before. It's possible, but it's too much labor for what ends up being there. Luckily, somebody who worked at Oda Tofu was a fan of our cafe and we did a trade. Anyway, that's an old-fashioned Portland story for you. The newfangled thing I want to tell you is that at the time for our scramble, I don't remember what else was in it, but we would make a sauce out of ketchup, either soy sauce or salt, oil, nutritional yeast, mix that up and put it on the tofu. Oh, with some maybe with some um, some liquid smoke. It was awesome. You you might be like gross ketchup, but then you eat it cooked and you're like, what's up with this tofu? It tastes so good. Whoa. I mean, just think about people wanting to put ketchup on eggs or something. Like ketchup is a kind of a magic ingredient. It is the the poor man's pad thai. Ooh, interesting. I'm going to say something even more controversial, which everyone knows. I don't like ketchup. Come on. I hate ketchup. Get out of my yard. Get out of my yard. <laughs> From behind closed doors. Oh, ooh. I have a mustard recipe for you. I can't wait. You ate ketchup. Here's a mustard recipe. Uh, Lucas, I don't know if he's ever listened to the podcast, friend of mine. We, a long time ago when Whole Foods first opened in Portland, <laughs> when our friend, one of our friends got uh, basically arrested by Whole Foods security for eating a piece of falafel off the buffet. <laughs> 
Um, I won't say her name, but I'll tell you off the air. You'll be happy to hear who it was. Um, so we went there and they had a, a tempeh, a sesame tempeh that was out of this world, but also was priced out of this world. And we couldn't afford that. So we figured it out. We jacked the recipe. It basically is like mustard, whatever kind of mustard you want. Soy sauce, I think hoisin or maple syrup, sesame oil, mm-hmm. garlic. And then you mix all that up a lot, a lot, a lot. And you do your thing where you steam your tempeh so it's a little bit open. I would just add soy sauce when you're steaming it. And then I would add, I would toss it in this and then fry it in sesame oil and or coconut oil if you want. But make sure there's a lot of sesame oil so it tastes like sesame. And then, oh, my God, if you rolled it in sesame seeds afterwards, what a delight. Mm. What a delight. But what is your favorite kind of seed, Nicole? I'm not sure. I'm a real sesame person. You know, I don't believe in those diets that are like the caveman of the world diet, but I do feel like tahini and things from the Middle East do me right. Yeah, you just got to find what works and do whatever you want. Whatever works for you. That's how I feel about salad. Nobody else has to eat it for breakfast, but you know, I've been enjoying an um, escarole salad, a bitter green, just raw. Yeah, chop it up. Can we talk about what you do to compensate in your mouth for the bitterness of a bitter green? What what do you add to a bitter green? No, I like the bitter. You just lean into the bitter? Like what kind of dressing are you putting on that? Uh, you know, the standard Morgan. It's like lots of garlic, apple cider vinegar, salt, pepple, pepper, pebble, olive oil. And it's getting garlickier the longer I make it. it just it'll sneak a little extra in. Um, but yeah, I mean... Salty and sour are really good friends with bitter, but um, bitter is so good. Mm. Like, just don't be so, don't be so afraid. Get into it. I once grew something called, I think, Palo Rosa, which was a little red lettuce that was so fucking bitter. I was like, something's wrong with my lettuce that I grew. And somebody said, no, it's not. And so they told me, and this is what I did, was I got like, I made a dressing out of balsamic vinegar and maple syrup and then soy sauce or salt and pepper. And that was my dressing. And I I, I liked the sweet, the sweet with the bitterness sung a different tune. Mm -hmm. It is. It's it's serenading now. Sweet, sweet serenade. I like the salty and the bitter and the sour. I like the punishment. I think it tastes good. (laughs) You're Um, a mouth masochist. I do want to wrap up with brand. Don't forget to mix it up with the tofu. Along the sort of lines of Yuba, tofu can be a very farty food. And um, yeah, so... Just, you know, mix it up. If you're like, I'm having upset stomach. I'm not sure why. I think it's because I'm vegan. It's the tofu. Like, just take a little break, come back, you know, do do with this, do with that. Um, I love adding a fermented food when I eat tofu. If my stomach is feeling sensitive in that particular way, I make sure that I have something like a sauerkraut or a kimchi. Something fermented with it, for me, helps... Because I realized, I was like, what's the key? How come tempeh doesn't make me feel this way? But and I was like, oh, tempeh's fermented. Tempeh has a fermentation process. Tofu doesn't. And so I tried to mimic that at home. And that helps me a little bit. I don't know if that'll help everyone, but it helps me. Yeah. I just, I, I know, I know what I'm getting into. But. You hear those crows? Crows. Quit crying. <laughs> they didn't listen. The other one chimed in. Um, Morgan, <laughs> we have one more listener question about our dessert. And we have some desserts yes. to try. Wonderful. The listener wanted to know how to make vegan ice cream without an ice cream machine. I'm going to just say, I don't know. <laughs> I, think, I think there's like a Ziploc 
bag thing you can do where you like freeze it and smush it and freeze it and smush it and freeze it and smush it and freeze it and smush it. I think there's like a weird ball you can get that you roll around like a a gerba ball, a dog toy exactly where you're like trying to get to the you know tree but you can't get it. So I think there's things you can do. This is another one of those things that I think is best left to the experts. Ice cream machines actually perform a very specific function, and they incorporate air and slowly cool things down as they're incorporating air and stuff. So it's it is one of those things that uh, I just think turns out not as well when you make it at home without the right equipment. You know, please feel free to chime in, but. I mean, you and I both have some store-bought vegan favorites that we're enjoying right now. Oatly's strawberry was really good. You brought one over to my house that tasted like beautiful marshmallow cereal. Oh, What was that? Birthday cake. I can't remember who made that one. Mm, It was like not a moo or somebody weird like that. Mm. I'm going to tell you, uh, this recipe is not going to... It's not, it's not going to be ice cream, but this is the, the thing where you get a food processor, not a blender, and then you put bananas in there. I was going to say, if you say bananas, <laughs> I'm going to lose it. It's exact. This is why people get bummed out about vegan food, because then they're like, like, oh, we're having ice cream. And then instead you have whipped frozen bananas. And you're like, oh, yeah, okay. It's, yeah, I guess vegan ice cream just tastes like. <laughs> I want you. This is my vegan aging story. I think we need elder vegan, but it needs to be elder queer <laughs> vegan because I don't. I don't know if I want to hear from every vegan, but um, elder vegan for me is that when I was in my late twenties, I remember seeing some woman who w- had just gone vegan and she had some raisins on her desk, and she was like, "Nature's candy," and I was like, Whoa. "I was like, I'm so sorry that this is your life." And now, look at me now. I'm like, no, prunes are nature's candy. <laughs> And they're functional, too. <laughs> functional. No, I really, sometimes if I need a sweet treat, I'll just eat some raisins. And I'm like, man, I wish I had some carob chips. And that's my truth. Oh, dang, dang. No, I, I have, um, I lived this growing up, and I, I don't think I can ever return. We were just talking about carob the other day. We are like, does carob still exist? Where do you get it? What is it? I was like, no, it tastes like. I shan't repeat what I said to you. <laughs> well, I want you to know that even if you can't find carob chips, by the way, you have to find make sure they're vegan because for some reason a lot of them have milk product in them. Why would that be? Those carob energy nuggets still are prevalent in every single natural grocery store that it exists on the face of the earth. They are. It doesn't make carob taste any better. This is the other thing which I was wondering. So we were having this discussion, which is why was carob even marketed as a chocolate alternative? They have nothing to do with each other except for color and, like, roughly texture. It's not even potato-potato. It's, like, potato-tomato. It's like trying to convince, like, Ponyo that a potato is a dog toy or vice versa, where you're like, these are not related things except for that they're sort of rounded around the edges. Like, it just, it doesn't, and also why is chocolate bad in a way that carob is not? Is it the caffeine? I mean, I don't think anyone's avoiding chocolate because they don't want to get too jacked on caffeine. Oh, I was definitely given carob instead of chocolate as a child. Carob-covered raisins? Do you want to know what kids don't want? I do. I want those. <laughs> I'll take them. That sounds like a... If, if you, it, just so you know, I'm turning 40 this year. If you send me a bag of carob-covered raisins, I am going to lose my mind with happiness. 
Yes. Okay, let's Work try these things you brought. Okay, in the spirit of tahini, we have a new flavor. I did bring honey, two honey desserts. Um, honey Mama's tahini tangerine cacao nectar bar made with dark cocoa, toasted sesame butter, cacao nibs, essence of tangerine, and raw honey. Ooh. Now, listeners, if you want to go ahead and put my name onto formervegans.com, it's spelled N I C O L E G E O R G E S. But um, I, I really don't buy honey, but Morgan brought this over and my ethical feelings about it are not such that I feel deterred from eating this Honey Mama's Raw Honey doodad that she just brought to me. I'm just making that disclaimer because you've heard us say the word vegan so many times. So mm. it's just like a little fudge chocolate bar. Mm. Mm. exceptional. Okay, now here's my problem with a lot of things that are sweet and say tahini. It's like they don't taste like tahini enough. This tastes like tahini perfectly. Mm. perfectly wow this is a mage winner really good balance too like salty at the end sweet toasty tahini-ish you get a little crunch from the nib morgan are we on the verge of our of a trend that we made up which is tahini did we are we trendsetters yeah, yeah definitely 100 percent. oh my god mm. wow this is such a hit this is like such a hit I honestly would love to have this made with maple syrup because the honey is so strong in it. Um, and the honey is adding its own thing, which is nice. Um, but, you know, I I love how much chocolate there is in this. It's a deep, dark chocolate. There's a lot. It's very tahini forward. I can really taste the tahini. It's very much tastes like dirt in a way that I appreciate. And then the tangerine zest is giving it a little bit of brightness or a little bit of complexity so it doesn't just taste like honey tahini chocolate dirt mm, that is so good i'm positive you could make this oh, yeah. on your own easily with no honey mm, okay wow. so honey mamas if you're vegan you can have a non-vegan friend try it and tell you when you got it right when you're making it on your own yeah or just make your own using you know maple agave brown rice syrup which i'm constantly preaching and i think is underappreciated what? Mm. Oh. yeah it's so good I, you like it because it's more neutral than maple syrup um, no, actually, that's not even the reason. <sighs> it's te- what? It's texture mostly. Um, and it tastes like kind of caramely already. Maple tastes mapley. And then this tastes like not strong caramely. So don't get like too wound up. But um, just like a little bit of that kind of like, uh, I don't know what you call like caramely um, flavor, like something that's kind of been cooked in a little browned or toasted. And um, it's really, really thick and really gooey and so i love to make um like a fudge sauce with it which is just brown rice syrup a little bit of vanilla a little bit of salt and like a bunch of cocoa powder and when you put it on something cold it gets like chewy like that you know why hasn't anybody else done this why is it so hard to find vegan fudge places i don't know i don't know what's wrong with anybody i mean you know this this is not for me to figure out but um (laughs) To a too too larger question, but um, I think it's just underappreciated. It's really underused. I think it's just from like cooked brown rice, and I don't know how they cook it. But like, it is sweet. It's also mildly sweet, which I think is great because a lot of times things are way too sweet. Like you know, they're just kind of cloying, and um, it's got a real mellow sweetness. Um, but 
yeah, you can get it at like whatever health food stores. I think Lundberg or I don't remember who makes it, but it's there's one called Sweet Dreams. I like it because it's a little cloudy and it has a little more flavor. There's another one that's really clear that doesn't have as much flavor. But um, yeah, it's it is a pure delight. I think you will will really love it, Nicole. Thank you. Hi, listeners. It's me, Nicole. If you would like to support me and Ponyo, in particular, our comics and animal illustrations, go to patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges. And for as little as $2 a month, you can have access to hundreds of pages of otherwise unpublished diary comics. For the price of one cold brew plus tip, you can become an honorary Sagittarian. And for the price of two vegan cupcakes or two vegan donuts, you can become a Ponyo's Friend Club member, at which point you really start raking in goods, including new buttons. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges. Morgan, there's one last thing that you made today. Speaking of old vegans, speaking of going back to basics, an era of carob and tofu, what have you brought me today? Well, I was reminiscing about a cake recipe from the New Farm Vegetarian Cookbook. What's that? First published in 1975. Mm -hmm. Um, It is the source of probably every vegan mac and cheese recipe you've ever tasted. Um, Probably a a lot of tofu scramble recipes. The the first place I ever saw nutritional yeast mentioned. And um, it's... Like, there's definitely a banana whip. There's a lot of, like, psychedelic illustrations of, like, tofu being made and some, like, grainy black and white pictures of long-haired hippies. <laughs> it's really hard to tell what they're doing because the quality, like, the quality of the picture printed like, in the black and white book is so funky. If you've ever seen, like, 1970s pictures of a woman giving birth, it's, like, the same genre of photograph. But it's yes. people that are like squeezing soybeans through some cheesecloth to make their own soy milk. They do have a Yuba recipe in there. Oh yeah, they do. But I always, yeah. I was like, that's, I was, I was like, that's far too advanced for me. <laughs> no, we've, we've all come full circle. Hey, go. Thanksgiving. So this is a recipe from that book, which is a, it is honey again. It's a rye cake. It's all rye flour, and it's like rye, some spices, honey water, baking powder, and, like, not much more. And I was like, I remember really liking this. My sister and I were traveling, and we thought it was really cool because it's supposed to get better as it ages. And so, like, I would make it, and, like, we would, like, drive around in the Volvo, which later came into your possession. Um, Gandalf? Yeah, and we'd be like, ooh, it's better day two. Ooh, it's better day three. And, like, alternative flowers were very sort of, like, avant-garde. And um, so, anyway, I did just make it today, and I didn't have any of the spices requested in the recipe. So, instead, I subbed way too much candied ginger, and um, I topped it with fresh, hand-foraged, fresh prunes, Italian plums, Nicole. So, here we've got this weird rye cake that's much stranger than I remember, full of too much ginger. Here it goes. I don't know. Bottoms up. All right. I think that maybe the best part of it are the things that you added to it. Ginger, there's so much. What did I do? (laughs) It needed needed that. It's very dense, the cake part itself. I'm going to say something. I'm going to whisper it. 
This is what everything from Black Sheep Bakery tasted like. Oh, <laughs> wow. This is something else. Wow. I just, Portlanders, that was like a hearty burn. That was like a hearty <laughs> vegan dish. Nicole's really settling back into her Portland self. I remember loving this. I was like, oh my God, this is so good. We're really doing this. We're traveling in style. I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe I have vegan amnesia, like banana whip. You know, it looks pretty. It looks gorgeous because you made it and you're a professional baker. But for listeners who don't know, Black Sheep Bakery terrorized vegans for a very, very long time. They might still be terrorizing vegans. I don't know. But there was the only vegan stuff that was in every store. And everything was made of like, just like a, a blended cardboard kind of situation and that's it, it this feels like a little bit reminiscent of cardboard <laughs> the yeah. rye flour yeah. wow it's very dense i can see how it would be better with time because the parts about it that are the best are where the fruit is and honey kind of are soaking in and making it very moist everywhere on its own that isn't touching fruit it's very dry but then it's really doing a good job as like a cardboardy sponge soaking up the moisture of the fruit and then blending that with the honey. I could see why it could be good with age. You're not totally off your rocker. Okay. It definitely is less ginger. More <laughs> There's other. a lot of candy ginger in here. <laughs> it's like chunky as heck. Um, it is for sure the color of cardboard. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't know. We'll check it in a couple of days. It's dry. You want me to try this again in a few days? Morgan, would you, if somebody was like, hey, Morgan, I have a recipe for your bakery. I made a sample version. What do you think? And they gave you this. What feedback would you give them? Wow. Why is it so dry? Uh, I'm pulling it apart and it's like clearing my hands. And I see her hands are, her hands are bleeding. Yeah. And it kind of like, I mean, I don't think the rye even tastes that bad. I think that part's good. The texture isn't it's so dense if you, it's like soaked cardboard it feels like if you wanted one of your enemies to never poop again you would serve them this <laughs> like if you wanted to hex somebody with constipation you would give them this cake <laughs> a hex upon you yeah i think i may have hexed us both my apologies well i feel really i have to say i feel really validated that the crows are cawing behind you <laughs> Yeah, they're really making a racket. <laughs> well, I'm not really sure what to do about this cake, but in the spirit of my new descriptive cooking style, I'm just going to keep adding more stuff. Soak it in something, toast it. Maybe it's a sweet crumb on top of something else. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know. what. Like you're just going to keep gonna... making this recipe? You're just going to keep going for it? Or are you going to do that with this one loaf that's left? I'm going to cut through this stuff and then I'll check them. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm thirsty. Wow. You gotta drink some more of that TikTok coffee. I know. Like, wow, wow, wait, ding. Oh, you also have a lot of milk left. Oh my god, I need that watery ass milk to get this down my throat. (laughs) Morgan, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Nicole. It's been a pleasure. Oh, sorry. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up for me to Honey Mamas, but I would love to make it without the honey. I'm going to say thumbs down to your travel cake. Yeah, not a travel cake. <laughs> um, yeah, 
I agree. Thumbs up, thumbs down. <coughs> Excuse me. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. It's Nicole. A couple of days after Morgan came over with this beautiful, beautiful cake, she did say that it got better with age. And so after sitting on my counter for a few days, I have cut off a slice and I'm going to try it. Mm. Oh my God. Have you ever had stale bread? If you haven't ever left sandwich bread I don't know if you just I don't if you haven't ever left sandwich bread out on the counter and let both sides of a slice get stale you you're not living you know that's what's happening here except there's like a lot of uh, candied ginger inside now I'm gonna say something which I think speaks to to Morgan of Christmas past which is she put plums, the predecessor to prunes, on the top of this. And then I think she put some honey on top of this. And that has made a moisture layer that does seem like, oh yeah, that's better with age. But the cake itself, wow. So I'm going to have to still give a thumbs down to Morgan's Road Cake. You know, the apocalypse gets more real. We can talk again about other kind of cakes that go well on the road, good on the run, um, you know, things you can keep in your bunker with you. God willing, you still have iTunes to listen to your podcasts then. But uh, for now, I'm going to have to close the case of the new farm cookbook, Cake. <laughs>